0: Welcome, gather round the fireside and listen to a tale of Yon McCool, Cool Cullen, cool dear all the sorrows grow new your wail. From giants right down to fairies, about the drooping and solitary, and those who are sometimes scary. Anything goes by the fireside. Yeah. Fireside, the Puka, Fireside, the Marrow, Fireside, Kings and Queens, Fat and Heroes, don't you run from the fun? there's no need to hide, sit by the Fireside, Fireside. Hello and welcome to Fireside, the Irish storytelling podcast. Each episode of Fireside, we take a story from folklore or mythology. We retell the tale itself and about it, have a chat about the craft, the culture, and the history of storytelling. My name is Kevin C. Olihan, and I am your host and your Fireside Bard. Welcome to episode 40 of Fireside, the Irish storytelling podcast. It just seems crazy to me that amount of episodes to have hit that number. It's incredibly satisfying, it's incredibly gratifying to have made it this far. 40 seems so close to a year, whatever it is about it. And also this might be the first episode number numbering when it comes to Roman numerals that you as a listener might be more might be as confused as I was. This was the first one I had to look up. Yeah, XL is 40. Meaning that L is then 50. I think that's, once we grasp that, I think uh, we'll be okay until we get to episode 100, which is miles away still. Although I'm sure it will creep up, up on us again. And then we get into C territory. But yes, XL is episode 40. And it's it's mad. like we'll be at a year so soon. And that's insane to me to think that we've been doing this podcast that long. And I can't wait to keep going with it and keep going, moving on to bigger and better things with it and taking it to the best possible place it can be. And that is all down to you, the listener. So if you are a returning listener, thank you so much for your continuing support. Perhaps you've been here since the beginning, perhaps you're only here since last week. But if this is your second, third or 40th time listening to Fireside, you're so welcome back. And if this is your very first one if this is just a random one you've picked on or if it is just the top one on the shelf and you decided to try it out this week i think this would be a good episode i think um there definitely, when it comes to the Irish mythology, there is a, a system we're building on, definitely, and an ongoing story. But I think this one works quite on its own as well, quite as a standalone story. But I think there's a lot of elements in it that returning listeners to this podcast will recognize the characters and themes and things that uh, that do crop up. But I, I will let the story itself speak for all of that. ...rather than my own gibberish. Because this is a story that... Is, uh, ...it kind of slipped by me. It is a story that, technically speaking... We're, ...we're in the King cycle at the moment... ...the historical cycle of Irish mythology. But this story is actually from the mythological cycle. It's from the very first cycle of Irish myths, ...which we covered in the opening... ...12 or 13 episodes of Fireside. But this story never cropped up because I suppose it's not part of the main arc of the mythological cycle which is the story mainly of Lou and of the fight between the Tuatha Dé Danann and the Fomorians and this story is kind of a side quest to that and yet it is one of the most famous Irish myths of all. Certainly the title alone will be something that strikes a chord with a lot of people. Even if they don't necessarily know anything about the story itself, they will know this name, they will know the title of this story. And it just so happened that the story I meant to do this week, which was the story of Conora Moore, this this story of the wooing of Ataine, this tied in quite strongly with it. And I realised that it, this story hadn't been done. So this is almost a prequel to the story of our next king. And also, as the title of King Cycle would suggest, there haven't been any stories about women. It's been all stories about these men, about these kings. There have been female characters in them, but all serving to their their sons or their husbands in each story, and I couldn't resist an opportunity wherever possible to really make more of a thing of the female characters that I find, because especially in the Irish mythology, they're so so incredibly interesting, especially the members of the Tuatha Dé Danann. This, of course, when we get on to the Ulster cycle, that is when our female characters really, really come into the strong focus. Indeed, while Cú Chulainn will be the most famous uh, character of the Ulster cycle almost as famous as him, if not as famous, is Queen Maeve who the whole Ulster cycle does revolve around. But here we have Etain, fairy of the Tua de Danann, and this beautiful this incredibly beautiful love story that, again, I didn't know a huge amount before I started doing research into this episode and writing this episode and now I do think it might be one of my favourite myths of all which again, the more I say, I, I genuinely don't mean to sound disingenuous if I keep saying, oh, I love this one or this is one of my new favorites because it does grow, you know, and I discover more and more stories and you do take different ones in and you do remember different ones in different ways and this uh, this has a lot of strong, really, really strong elements in it and it's a gorgeous story. Uh, but i will let you i will let you be the judge of all that my opinion of it is less relevant than yours when it comes or as relevant really to be fair as as my own on this story but i will let you hear my retelling of it now and see what you think yourself this is the wooing of a Tain on fireside the wooing of a Tain. in the land of promise tiernan oak the world of the Tuatha Dé Danann. The river god Midir was visiting his foster son, Engus Og, the god of love. Engus had been raised by both Midir and his wife, Fulmok, both of whom had been loving parents to the love god. After all, how could they have not loved a love god? And when Engus Og was grown and left home to go a-wandering, both his foster parents missed him greatly, particularly Midir. Sometime after Angus Oak had settled in a new home, Midir decided he would go and visit his foster son. While under the love god's roof, it was law that Midir was under the protection of Angus Oak. However, during the river god's stay, while his son was out, Midir was attacked. It would seem a love-lorned loser wished to take revenge on the god of love for interfering in his relationship. There were definitely far more people dissatisfied when Angus intervened than were pleased. Between unrequited love or love that people tried to resist, Angus found himself subject to the wrath of many an unsatisfied customer. But so was his burden to bear, and one he considered entirely worthwhile, given the occasional wonder of true love, with all the highs and lows that it entailed that every once in a while Engeso got to bestow upon two people. But this one particular disgruntled character who appeared at the house was unsurprisingly drunk, and so, not actually knowing what the love god actually looked like, attacked Midir instead. The river god was a considerably skilled fighter and was able to cut the drunkard down, but in the initial ambush, Midir had lost an eye. There was little the Toa de valued more than the perfection of beauty, so Midir could never be less than perfect if he was to keep his titles and position as a river god. Engus with the help of Dian Kecht, the healer, was able to regrow Midir a new eye, but an even greater crime had been committed. Midir had been attacked while he was supposed to be under the protection of Engus A law of hospitality had been broken. There was no greater crime, not to the Tuat So Engus Oak had to do something truly spectacular to make it up to Midir. And with his exact set of skills, Engus knew exactly what to do. The love god gave his foster father the true love of the most beautiful woman in all of the Tuat The young Itane. Engusog summoned the beauty to his house, and Atain and Midir immediately fell madly in love. They had a perfect and passionate love affair while remaining in the protection of Engusog, but eventually, Midir had to return home, to his wife. Fulmach had given him children and foster children. She had been everything he could have wanted in a wife, a partner, a friend. He had never been unfaithful. His eye had never even wandered. But this was different. He knew it. He could have killed Angus for cursing his life like this, was he not madly in his foster son's debt for blessing his life with true love. Midir found he could not be without a tain, so he brought her home with him. When the two lovers arrived, Fulmok was there to meet her husband and the, for her at least, tragic news. You bed this child and then bring her into our home. She is no child. She is my one true love. I can never apologize enough or thank you enough for all you have given me, Fumak. Children and love. But I am powerless. We are in love and we can never be apart. He'll throw you away one day, child, just as he is throwing me away now. My name is Etain, and I will never be thrown away, for we have been bound by the dual blessing and curse of true love, so as long as I breathe, I will love Midir, and he will love me. The objection sent Formach into a blind rage, and could you really blame her? "'As dark storm clouds raged in the sky, Fulmoc cried out, "'Let us see you two lovers endure this storm!' "'And with all her power, Fulmoc turned the young Etane into a shower of rain "'and cast her out into the storm. "'Each and every drop that made up the fibre of the girl "'was tossed and battered from the sky down onto the hard earth "'where it began to soak into the moist grass.' Despite what he had seen, Midir did not believe it would be possible for Itain to be dead. There is no way Angus O would have given him such love only to snatch it away like that. Midir searched through the damp countryside until he came across a puddle that glimmered with effervescence like a druid's brew. On hand and knee, Midir crawled over and gazed into the puddle. In place of his own reflection he saw the face of a tain. With a ripple, the puddle began to condense and congeal until from it emerged a stunning butterfly, the first ever seen in the world of the Tour de Dan. The butterfly landed on Midir's shoulder, and knowing his love was with him again, Midir returned home, vowing to protect the butterfly Atane until she could be in her true form once more. Having left her husband in a fury, Formach was even further outraged to learn of the butterfly attain and of the unaltered love between her and Midir. It was said when she fluttered her wings, a sweet music played that could only be heard by her love. So Formax summoned an even greater storm that swept through each and every keep and castle in the land of promise until it reached Etaine and carried her off from the shoulder of her love and into the ether. Etaine was carried through entire dimensions for years on end, but she endured. She stayed alive. Likewise, back in tir Midir never gave up the pursuit of his beloved. No matter what storm Fulmok summoned, they would endure. After seven years, the butterfly Atain would eventually find herself in our realm, the mortal world, during the reign of King Conchobar Nessa. But Fulmok's mighty wind blew her to the home of an Ulster chieftain named Aether, The butterfly landed in a goblet of wine, which was soon drank along with the butterfly by Ether's own wife. The queen immediately fell pregnant, and nine months later gave birth to a child considered too perfect to be human. There was only one name they felt they could name the child. They didn't know why. It was as if the child was already named Itain. Now in mortal form, Etaine grew up to be as beautiful as she had been in the fairy world. But Etaine had no memory of the fairy world, or of her former life, not even of her love Midir. When Etaine was once again a grown woman, the High King Atara was Yuki. It had come time for Yuki to marry, and as High Kings often did, he sought the hand of the most beautiful woman in Era and there was no doubt among any of the king's advisers that this was Itain. They met, and both the princess herself and the parents of the king and queen of Ulster agreed to the match. Etaine and Yuki were married. Now since the time when they had called the island their own, the Tuat De Danen's personal visits to the mortal world were infrequent. Usually it was when they were inconveniently summoned by some druid, or when they intentionally wanted to interfere in the affairs of mortals. Midir almost never visited the mortal world. Still so fixated was he on his pursuit of a tain. But the marriage of the High King always reached Tirnanog. Tara, after all, had been the seat of their power, and the moods and marriages of its High King would always affect what wars the Tuatha Dé would have to be involved in. So when Midir heard that the High King Yuki had married a beautiful maiden named Ettain, he didn't believe such a thing could be coincidence. Mounting his horse, Midir rode for the mortal world and for Tara. When he arrived, he went straight to the bedroom window to see for himself, and if he had been mortal, he would have dropped dead, because through the window, as perfect as she had been the day before she had been turned into a butterfly, was his beloved Atein. What are you doing out there? What? You, hovering out by the window. I am the queen. I can have you executed for that. For anything, in fact. Etain, my love, it's me. Who are you? Midir initially did not believe it was possible. But looking into the deep brown eyes of his beloved, he did not see the glimmer of recollection. Etain truly did not know who he was. I am Midir of the Toa de Danen, and you are one of my people. We were in love, but you were taken away from me. Now, after all these years, I have finally found you. You belong in Nog. You belong with me. To the mortal Etain, it was impossible to comprehend any of this. For sure, she had never experienced such an overwhelming display of love. When she had been courted by Yuki, their marriage had seemed more like a business arrangement than a profession of love. But to her, that was irrelevant. "'You come here, and you ask me to run away with you. Besides the fact that I have no memory of who you are, I am married. And more than that, to the High King of Ireland. I am a river god.' That outranks your mortal king And this isn't even about power This is about love This is about honor, replied Attain. And I refuse to destroy mine Yucky is my husband And no matter how many times you attempt to woo me I will never dishonor myself for the first time in decades of searching for Attain through land and air and sea, Midir felt the downward pull of defeat, and an emptiness where boundless love used to be the sole occupant. But once Aengis has cast his spell, giving up is no longer an option. Midir thought to himself that if he could just get close to attain, if he could kiss her, then she would surely remember him. But if she was bound by honor to her husband, there was only one way to do that. So Midir went to Yuki. The river god appeared to the high king when he was alone in his study. Yuki, High king of Era, I am Midir of the Toa Dedanan. I have been sent to test your worthiness to join the esteemed ranks of the Tara High kings. Any challenge, I openly accept. What do I have to do? I challenge you to a game of Fikel. Fikel was a Celtic predecessor to the game of chess. Many fates have been decided in its playing. It was played by Lu and Noda to decide who should be king of the Tour de Danon. It was played by Fionn Macul and his son Oisin to lure Diarmid O'Divna out in the pursuit of and Grania, And here... It was played between a mortal high king and a fairy river god to decide the fate of a woman they loved. Of course, Yoki didn't know that part. The two played Fikel long into the night, in that dark study by a roaring fire. The pair seemed well-matched, with each winning and losing in equal measure. However, Midir was losing intentionally to get Yoki's blood pumping to make him reckless. The two men eventually started playing stakes and as dawn approached midir said one final game the decider name your price said yuki if i win you will have the blessing of the Toa de daonan lose and i get to kiss your wife what just a kiss mind and maybe a hug count yourself lucky If I was Manon and Macleer, I'd have bedded her without you even knowing. Lucky for you, I'm a river god, not a sea god. Yucky was full of adrenaline from the night's games. He agreed to the terms. They began, and it became instantly clear what a dive Midir had been taking all night, because he began to annihilate the king like an infant. Yucky was no fool. He saw that he had been tricked. You have won. The kiss is yours. You may come back to claim it in one month. Midir was feeling charitable after toying with the king all night, so he decided to accept these terms. Yuki, on the other hand, had no intention of allowing the deceptive river god to kiss his wife. So the High King spent the following month fortifying Tara with as many extra guards, soldiers, and druids possible to defend both his and his wife's honour. Every battlement, door, and window was armed with enchantments and manpower. They didn't know if it was even possible to defend against the Toa de Danan, but Yucky would sure as hell try. Meanwhile, Itain spent a month not sleeping, because every time she did, she dreamt of torment. The torment of being turned into a butterfly and blown and torn by wind and rain for years on end, and she kept dreaming of the face of the man who had barged into her window that night. She admired her husband for going to the lengths he was going to defend her, but could not help being fascinated by the man who could have had any of his own people who would have gone to such lengths just for her. When the day of the kiss came, Midir returned to Tara by himself. The armies amassed outside stood no threat whatsoever to him. He cut through them like a hot knife through butter. He was the river, and they were just fish caught in his current. He flowed right into Tara and demanded his bounty, and Yuki did not dare fight him any anymore. Midir approached Atain. My lady... May I kiss you? For all you have done, you may. Midir gently pressed his lips on Ataine, and the very moment their skin met, the memory of a thousand years flooded back through Ataine's mind. She remembered it all: her life as one of the Tuatha De Danann, her torment under Formach, and her love for mid She grabbed her love's bearded face and pulled it tight to hers. It was a kiss that had been built up and built up through years of storm and rain, and it exploded like lightning on a mountaintop. You remember. I do. There was a part of me that never forgot. I've spent my life dreaming of you, and now you are here. There is no honor to break. You are, and always have been, my one true love. And without spending one more moment in the mortal world, Midir picked up the goddess and carried her back to the land of promise, tir home. And whatever happens, and wherever they are, neither time nor space can come between the love between Midir and Attain To be continued. And there we have The Wooing of a on Fireside, a truly just gorgeous, gorgeous love story. There are some doozies throughout Irish mythology, well, not a huge amount, but certainly ones that really stand up, the most significant other one being the pursuit of Diarmuid and Gráinne. And the pursuit of Diarmuid and Gráinne might have a little bit more complexity in its morality. For example, like Gráinne forcing Dermot to fall in love with her and forcing him to take her away and their love growing over this forced pursuit and then still proving to be as beautiful. Uh, but of course, ultimately has a tragic end, which I will not spoil if anyone hasn't listened to that episode yet. But I believe that's in the 20s or something in terms of the episodes. It's in the Fenian cycle anyway. But here we have... Uh, tragic love story with a very, very happy ending and it really, really didn't look like it was going to happen throughout it, you have this incredible image of Itain being turned into a butterfly. Now, depending depending on which f- source you read, sometimes Itain is turned into a butterfly, sometimes she is turned into a normal fly. Sometimes just fly is mentioned for understandable reasons, possibly. Now, I'm not a biologist or a microbiologist. No, just a biologist. Yeah, microbiology is even smaller than butterflies. But in terms of knowledge of butterflies or what butterflies were to the Celts, that's something I'm not sure of. So it's not a reason that maybe it would have just been a normal fly. But I couldn't resist the imagery of a butterfly, especially one congealing from this pool of water. It's of course not revealed what exactly what happens to Fulmok pers- uh, Midir's Midir's actual wife. Presumably, she just stays in the gaff. And Midir and Atane ride among the stars. She is, of course, a character that you feel sorry for. She is antagonistic in this story, mm, totally justifiably so. But I like that because you just it just portrays love as this curse reward. I mean, this is. This love between Etain and Midir is intentionally given by Angus Og to the two of them as this greatest of gifts, for to make up for this wrong of of Midir losing an eye while he was under Angus Og's protection. This is a wrong that is being righted by giving the greatest gift of all, and Angus gives his foster father the love of the most beautiful woman he knows, and he's supposed to give them this perfect love and. The implication is that perfect love still comes with this incredible, incredible hardship. And I think there's something so, so powerful about that and so strong about that in that that perfect love does require endurance and that just because it's true love doesn't mean it is easy. And the lengths and breadths that are willing to be gone to for it, and that it isn't. Sometimes it is complicated, and sometimes it isn't nice, and it's not just all black and white, good and bad. There is a complexity to it, and there's certainly a huge amount of complexity to this story. I, I mean I said that Jemal and Gráinne was probably a more complex story, but actually, when you when you get into the factors of Midir's wife, and then later with Etain's husband with Yoki. That is where you will see when we move on to the story of Conor Amore, just where Yucky and Attain and the more mortal side of Attain's life, how that plays in then back in the King cycle and the historical cycle of Irish mythology. But it is actually Attain's actions as a mortal woman, why she is so admired as this Celtic heroine. In that she resists Midir. She tells Midir no. That she doesn't have this memory. Of this former life with him. But there's something there. There's a pull there. And she dreams of him. And she possibly does. If it is possible to fall in love at first sight. When he does appear through the window. She possibly does fall fall in love with him. But she's married. And she's married to Yuki. And Yuki has been good to her. And that is why she commands respect among audience still to this day is that she stays strong in that and she respects that. Of course then this game of chess of uh FKL, which I had to look up the rules of and everything it looks kind of almost kind of more like checkers like or a backgammon or something from what I, I must try and get my hands on a game of fikel, see if it's any crack but Yucky and Midir play this this rigged game basically of chess to decide who can get this kiss of attain and yes of course they are deciding something that she does not necessarily get to consent of herself and there's no there's no way around that but comparatively considering you have a lot of gods who just bed these women and who just enchant there is a huge amount more respect that uh, Midir gives and he wants to to a degree win the love of attain back fair and square and All accounts, he could just kidnap her, or you know, in the same way that Dermid did with Grania under Grania's enchantment of her. But there's something more. There's something more grounded, I feel, in and there's something more that I like a bit more about how this story progresses, and that it comes to it, and and is happy to let the kiss happen, and then once the memories are there then, of course, it's it's more black and white because she already, Midir is her true love and it's actually her presence in the mortal world that is the the honor system changes. Before, before, while she's in mortal form and she doesn't have any memory of the fairy world, she has no, that's where her obligation is, that's where her duty lies to her mortal husband. But once her memory comes back, she does have a previous life and so the mortal life doesn't exist in the same way. It's interesting to know presumably she is in mortal form so once she gets her memories back does she become immortal again is that a different body does does attain die who knows with like we'll see is there more stories like that or that might be a story to to run with again is that she's in mortal form and does she get to go back to being immortal when she returns to the land of Tirnanog we have Angus Og appearing again in the story as well, which is great considering that there was no one story centered around him in the mythological cycle per se. And a few in recent times have popped up. And of course, whenever love is there, Angus Og is not far behind. I have to wrap things up, actually. As we've come to our end of our session here but I really hope you enjoyed the, epi- the wooing of a Attain episode 40 of Fireside it seemed incredibly appropriate uh, I'm glad we could do a really really strong really famous one to sync up with the 40th episode thank you so much to everyone for listening if you've listened since the beginning and I hope we'll be with you for 40 40 more and 40 more after that and so on and so on Um, If you have enjoyed the podcast, I didn't do the plug at the beginning, if you're enjoying the podcast, please do follow me on Instagram at FiresideBard for all info on the podcast videos and information about our upcoming live shows. You can support the podcast on patreon.com forward slash Fireside Podcast if you wish to do so on there. And just continue to listen, continue to send me messages if you're enjoying it. Uh, I love, 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 love receiving them and... It's great seeing the things that people send me and it's it's really gratifying. It really makes me feel like there's a community of people out there listening and enjoying the podcast and that it is growing and growing and going from strength to strength. Thank you so much to Jamie, my producer. Thanks to Paddy and Alan and everyone here at Headstuff for continuing to produce this podcast. I love it so much. And I will see you all next time. You will hear me all next time by the fireside. Goodbye. This podcast is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network.